Life Christian Centre is a church located in the city of Adelaide. It is made up of people from different backgrounds and walks of life who have been transformed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us online at www.life-church.com.au If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. I just want to read the first four verses. Romans chapter 6, um, reading from verse 1, Bible says this. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live at it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in a death like this, we will certainly also be united with him in a a resurrection like this. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with. That we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. I read a few extra verses there. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your word. And we just thank you that every time we open the scriptures, you speak to us. And I just pray that this word today would become a revelation in our hearts. Let there be a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we don't just hear the words, but but it, it becomes a truth that's embedded in our spirit and in our hearts that influences how we see our lives and how we live our lives. We love you so much, Lord God. Forgive me of my sins. Let there be nothing in me that hinders this word, Lord God. Let there be a freedom to speak and to hear the word and bind every spirit of fear and intimidation in the name of Jesus. And I just thank you for what you're going to do today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. So over the last few weeks, we've been in a series entitled Freedom. I I was going to kind of end it off a couple of weeks, but then just this message kind of fits in well. Um, We've talked about how we can be free from the wounds and the hurt and bitterness and addictions and anger. I know no one's angry anymore because we did the sermon a few weeks ago. So that's all resolved. Uh, Key verse for the series has been Jesus' words, then you shall know the truth. It's a powerful scripture. It's a powerful verse. You shall know the truth. And when you know the truth, that truth is going to bring freedom into your lives. And I said a few weeks ago that truth uh, is not just information, it's a person. Uh, And when we come to know Jesus Christ, when we give our lives to Jesus Christ, accept Him as our Lord and Saviour, that's where freedom uh, begins. Truth is a person. And when we we come to know Christ, accept Jesus Christ in it, the more of Jesus we have in our lives, the more truth and the more freedom we experience. So here's the reality though. Many of us can be saved yet still struggle with issues. We've experienced the joy of salvation. We know that prayer is powerful, worship amazing. I love church. I love the Word of God. But I'm still struggling with bitterness and anger. And I feel like after your message on anger, I'm actually more angry than I was before. (laughs) Uh, I uh, did more than six, more than three, whatever. Um, I'm still struggling with bitterness, still struggling with anger, still fighting and battling addictions. 
We're not questioning if God is real. We know He is real, but we're still struggling with sin. We're trying to do the right thing, living a life that pleases God. Don't want to get angry. Don't want to give in to the addiction anymore. But we seem to go so quickly back to old patterns, old patterns of thinking, old patterns of behaviour. And if that's your struggle today, I want you to know that you're in good company. Uh, Paul says in Romans chapter 7, uh, for in my, in, this is the Apostle Paul who had a vision from God. God used him powerfully, raised people from the dead. Just incredible salvation. This is the Apostle Paul speaking in Romans chapter 7. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. There's a part of me that wants to do what's right. There's a part of me that delights in God. I love prayer. I love the house of God. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law. I love the way he describes this battle that's going on inside of him. It's actually a war. And the law of my mind, making me a prisoner to the law of sin. I feel like I'm, a, I'm, I'm, I'm being held in prison to sin that work within me. What a wretched man that I am. If anybody's ever experienced this kind of battle, if, if you've ever experienced the battle between the sin nature and, and, and the spirit, you know how difficult that is. And, and, and Paul's conclusion, what a wretched man that I am. Who's going to rescue me from this body that is subject to death? And then he says, thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So the question I want to kind of explore this morning is how do we live a victorious life? There's some aspects of baptism uh, that we need to understand that will help us experience freedom. It's Baptism Sunday and there are some, some aspects of baptism. Baptism has so many different kinds of meanings uh, and, and it represents so many different things in our life. But one of the things that baptism teaches us is how we can experience freedom and a victorious Christian life. Uh, thoughts I want to share today come from a book called The Normal Christian Life by Watchman Nee thoroughly recommend uh, the book and uh, reading the book. It's one of those classics uh, that I believe everybody uh, should read. And in the book, he expands on two concepts, two concepts that I want to expand on today in the message. The first concept is the blood of Jesus cleanses us from our sins. And the second concept is the cross of Jesus delivers us from sin. It delivers us from the power of our sin nature. Two concepts that I want to kind of expand on today. These concepts are probably a little challenging to understand. We kind of dive into the deep end of the pool this morning and I'm just praying that there's going to be a spirit of wisdom and revelation that God's going to be able to help us understand the truths embedded in His Scripture. I have already tried this message on my life group. Just to warn you, the scores weren't good. Uh, just that you know, but that's <laughs> no, not true. Um, they're very encouraging my life group. So, um, so we're just going to pray that the Holy Spirit is going to speak to us this morning. Before I expand on these concepts, let me just set a foundation for the two thoughts that I want to share. Book of Romans is Paul's letter to the church in Rome. It's a powerful book, uh, jam-packed with doctrine, with truths, foundational truths that have the capacity to affect us deeply. In fact, Martin Lloyd-Jones, again, one of the classic writers, he wrote volumes and volumes and volumes of uh, uh, just going through verse by verse uh, through the book of Romans. Um, if you want some light reading, look up Martin Lloyd-Jones and do some like reading through the book of Romans. Uh, if we're going to be victorious, we need to understand that there are two aspects to sin. The first eight chapters of Romans introduces us to these two concepts. Uh, in the first four chapters, Paul speaks about sin's 
plural. Uh, sins refers to the sins we've committed before God. We've lied, we've cheated, we're quite, we're quite most of us are aware of the sins that we've committed. Um, in the next four chapters, Paul speaks about sin, singular. Sin, on the other hand, refers to the sin that is working in us. It's the sin nature or the flesh as we also refer to it commonly. When we come to Christ, uh, the first thing that we do is cry out to God because we're conscious of our sins, the things that we've done wrong. We're, we're, we're made aware of our sins and so we, we cry out to God. We know that we've done things, said things that have displeased God. And so we come to Christ and bring them, and bring them, bring them to Him and ask for forgiveness. Um, but once we've received forgiveness, we come to know that we have another little issue and it's called the issue of sin. Um, we realise that not only have we sinned against God, but that there's something wrong inside of me, which is a little bit deeper. Deeper Problem is a little, a little a bit deeper than just I've sinned. I have a, I have a nature of a sinner. There's, there's something in me that is drawn to sin. It's an inclination to sin. It's not just that I've done some things wrong. That's one issue that I've got to deal with. But after, after I've confessed my sins to God, what I realise is that inside of me, there's this inclination. There's this bend towards actually doing the wrong thing. And someone cuts me off in traffic. I don't think, well, praise the Lord. God is good. Let me just tell him that Jesus, I don't think like that. You know, when someone criticises me and treats me badly, this is, this is after Sunday, you praise the Lord, God is good, amazing, sir, felt the presence of God. This is Monday morning. When someone criticises me and treats me badly, I want to talk to them privately. I, I want to I I lay hands on them in the name of Jesus and really, you know, just praise the Lord. When my colleague gets a promotion, I wanted, I don't think nice thoughts about them. Can I, is anyone with me here? No, you guys are holy. I got it. I got it. But, but, but it doesn't matter how spiritual we are. It doesn't matter how close we are to God. There's this bend inside of us that, that kind of tends towards, you know, what's, what's wrong. And I, I I know I want to do the right thing. I know what I should be doing. I know what the Bible says I should be and who I should be. But there's something inside of me that continuously has this bend towards, towards the right. It's like, um, it's like your car. Sometimes the, the, the steering has a, you know, um, no, that was, where, where, huh? Realignment. When the we used to have an old Valiant, you know, uh, VE Valiant 287, and I remember, you know, this is the old-fashioned car where the air conditioning was. You know, you got to roll down the window. Imagine that. We used to have roll down the window, to you know, you know. Now you just push a button. And but anyway, I remember the car always had the wheel alignment really bad. And every time you're driving the car, you're actually steering like this, so the thing can go straight. Because if you hold the steering wheel straight, it's gonna it's gonna bend off that. And it's a bit like us. It's this natural bend that we have towards sin. And it's a, it's a, it's a propensity uh, that we're all born with. Paul says this in Romans, when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death. Now, death is not necessarily physical death. What it's speaking about there, it's a spiritual death. It's a separation from God. And when the Bible speaks about that in the New Testament, that's what it's talking about. It's, it's talking about separation from God. So death spread to everyone for everyone sinned. Now, the best way to understand this is to look at a young child. Children, as soon as they start talking, after a while, they say the first couple of words and then they learn one particular word, which is no. No. <laughs> 
No parent sits down and teaches them. Now, you know, now listen, you know, hear the words, you know, mummy, dad, whatever. And he no, just learn to say, practice with me. No. <laughs> um, they, just, they just seem, it seems to be inside of them. It just seems to be inside of them. It's unbelievable. They're playing and, and, and then it's mine. Unbelievable. Who taught them about mine? Why don't they have a natural inclination to share? Why don't they have a, a natural inclination? Yes. You know, no. It's mine. You know, and some of us are still doing that. You know, you know, mine. <laughs> you know, we just learn to kind of do it differently, but we're still doing it. Um, now, when we, when we give into the sin nature, listen very carefully. When we give into the sin nature, then we sin. When, 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 we, when, we, when we give in to that bend, uh, uh, the sin nature, the flesh, then we sin. And when we sin, we feel guilty. So we pray, God, will you, will you forgive me? And he does. And then we say, I'm never going to sin again. Never going to get angry again. Never going to react again. Never going to give in to that addiction again. This is the last time. And we may be good for a while, but then our... Sin nature, that bend, isn't really happy. And so somewhere down the track, we're doing really, really well, there's a trigger. Didn't sleep very well the night before. Um, stuff happened, there's a trigger. And before long, we're sinning again. And then this vicious cycle of sin starts all over again. So we seek forgiveness. We come back to God, Lord, forgive me. Um, and then God forgives us. And, we, and, and then we say, well, I'm never going to do this again. It's never going to happen again. Uh, and then it goes well for a while. Does this sound familiar at all? Is it, is it just me? <laughs> Maybe it's just me. Then we sin again and we seek forgiveness again. And, and the vicious cycle continues. It's a continuous it's a vicious cycle. And if you've ever experienced the frustration of that cycle, um, you get to a point where you say, I don't want just forgiveness for what I've done. I want something more. I need something more. I need something deeper. I want deliverance from this inclination inside of me. I want deliverance from this, this bend inside of me that, that causes me to always go in the wrong direction. I want to change deep inside. Thank God for the forgiveness of sins, but I, but I, but I, I need more than this. I want to deal with this inclination deep inside of me. And the question is then, well, how do we deal with that? How can I be delivered from this body of death? How can, how, oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? The question I want to ask is, how can I be delivered from this body of death that seems to always want to go down the wrong path? So in the first eight chapters of Romans, we're given the remedy to both of these issues. Forgiveness of our sins and the deliverance from our sin nature or from the power of our sin nature from the inclination to sin. So let's look at these two separately. First principle we need to understand is the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all, uh, from all of our sins, from all unrighteousness. It's a familiar principle we're all aware of. If you've been in church any kind of uh, time, you will be aware of this particular principle. We sang about it this morning in the songs. Paul says in Romans, for God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin 
People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed His life, shedding His blood. There's no greater message in the Word of God. There's no greater message than the Gospel of Jesus Christ. Bible teaches us that all of us have sinned and that sin is what separates us from God. That sin needs to be paid for in some way. And as Hebrews says, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. There is no uh, forgiveness. And the good news is that Jesus came some 2,000 years ago and He paid the price. He paid the price. Come on, can I hear an amen somewhere in the crowd? He paid the price. His blood was shed. He took the penalty. He paid the bill. He paid the fine uh, for us um, once and for all. And if we accept, believe, confess what Jesus did for us on the cross, the Bible tells us that we can be saved. It's because of the blood of Jesus. The Bible tells us that we have been redeemed, that we have been reconciled with God. Once upon a time, we were far from God, but because of the blood of Jesus, because of what Jesus did on the cross, our relationship with God has been reconciled. We have fellowship with God. The only reason why we can speak to God, the only reason why we can come to God is because of what Jesus did there on the cross. We are justified. That means justification is a, is a, is a doctrinal concept. It means that we are, we are treated just as if we had never sinned. God treats us just as if we had never sinned. Let me show you some scriptures that speak about that. First uh, uh, John 1, 7, but if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have, fellow, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, His Son, purifies us from some of the sins. Come on, is that what the Word of God says? And the blood of Jesus is bringing it. Lord, I just thank you that the blood of Jesus cleanses me from all unrighteousness. One of the things I, I, I confess every single day, I thank you, Lord, that the blood of Jesus cleanses me from all sin and shame in the name of Jesus. It's a, it's a profound truth. I don't need to live with guilt and shame any longer. Why? Because Jesus paid the price. He paid the price. The Bible tells us that when the blood of Jesus cleanses us, um, that, we, that, we, that, that the blood of Jesus cleanses up from all unrighteousness. All unrighteousness mean now the enemy is going to accuse us. Come on, church. The enemy is relentless. He looks for our weaknesses and he is relentless. It's where he goes. Again and again, the Bible tells us in Revelation, he is the accuser of the brethren. That's what he does. He accuses us before God. He's accused. He's going to, he's going to, come against us with every single, every single sin that we've ever committed. The Bible tells us in Revelation, how did they overcome? The word of their testimony and by the blood of the Lamb. There it is right there. It's the blood of the Lamb. Don't entertain those sins. In fact, in fact, you need to switch this whole thing around. The enemy is going to accuse. He's going to keep accusing. He's going to come. He's going to find a way to accuse you again and again and again and again. He's going to keep coming around. And then when he does, we start to enter into a conversation. No, but I'm not that sin. No, but I, yeah, I know. Yes, you can either feel down. You can start to enter into a conversation. But it wasn't my fault. Blame somebody. Blah, 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 blah. It's not what you should do. Just quote the scripture. It is written. It is written. It is written. 
It is written. When, when, when the, uh, Satan come against, uh, come against J- Jesus, Jesus said, it is written. That's why we need the Word of God. That's why we need the Bible. That's why we need to have these, these truths embedded in our spirit. And, and, and the greatest thing that we can do when the enemy accuses us, it's a trigger. It's a, it's a, it's a, a, it's a cue for us to be able to quote the Word of God. And so turn the weakness into a strength that every time the enemy accuses us, we can say, oh Lord, I just thank You. That when we confess our sins to God, He's faithful and just to, convince, to, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That the blood of Jesus cleanses me from all unrighteousness. Thank you for reminding me of that sin. And the blood of Jesus cleanses me from all unrighteousness. And let that truth be embedded deep in your spirit. When we get a revelation of this truth, it changes our lives. Can I hear an amen? It's, it's, a, it's a powerful truth we need to get a revelation of. And we can talk about other stuff. We've talked about other stuff, but, but these are foundational truths, foundational biblical truths that we build our life upon, that we need to get a revelation of. There's a song that we sing that says, what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. A good work's gonna well, wash away. Religion says, oh, if you do good works, then that's gonna wash away your sins. That's not in scripture. No amount of good works can wash away our sins. The Bible tells us. Being a nice person, can that wash away? No, it can't wash away your sins. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow. That makes me white as snow. No other fountain I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. First principle we need to understand is the blood of Jesus cleanses us from sins. Second principle we need to understand is the cross delivers us from sin, from our sin nature. First, the blood of Jesus cleanses us from our sins, but the cross delivers us from our sin nature. The blood deals with what we've done, but the cross deals with who we are on the inside, the inclination. The blood cleanses us from our sins. The cross deals with the the root problem, our propensity to sin. Blood deals with the sin, but the cross deals with the sinner. Blood can wash away my sins, but it can't deal with the sin nature. The blood of Jesus doesn't deal with the sin nature it can wash away our sins. Okay, Pastor Joe, so how do we deal with the sin nature then? Well, Paul speaks about it in Romans chapter 6. We read it in our text. Here's what it says. I'm reading from the Passion Translation because it just sounds so much, so much more practical. So what do we do then? Do we persist in sin so that God's kindness and grace uh, will increase? No, we don't continue in sin. Some people get a revelation of grace and, and they think, well, you know, um, I can do whatever I want. That's what people were saying back in the time. Paul says, no, that's, that's not, you've not understood what grace is, 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 is really about. It's about, it's about our hearts. Um, It's about our propensity inside of our hearts. What a terrible thought. We've died to sin once and for all. As a dead man passes away from this life, so how can we live under sin's rule a moment longer? Or have you forgotten that all of us were immersed into union with Christ, the anointed one, were were immersed into union with his death? Sharing in his death by our baptism means that we were co-buried in a tomb with him so that when the Father's glory raised Christ from the dead, we were also raised with him. We've been co-resurrected with him so that we could be empowered to walk in the freshness of new life. Verse 6. Could it be any clearer that our former identity is now and forever deprived of its power for we were co-crucified with him to dismantle the stronghold of sin, sin nature, propensity to sin within us so that we would not continue to live one moment longer submitted to sin's power. 
When the Bible says we've died to sin, what that means is the sin nature, the flesh, the inclination to sin, it no longer has any power over me. Baptism is a picture of the death and resurrection of Jesus. Pastor Joseph does a lesson through what baptism represents, he explains this. Jesus died on the cross and three days later, he rose from the dead. And when he died, his human body, so to speak, died. And when he's erected, he was resurrected into new life. And baptism is like that. When we go underwater, it's symbolic of the old person dying. If we kept someone underwater, <laughs> um, they would eventually stop breathing. And when they come up out of the water, they come up as a new person. It's what baptism represents. It means, it means I get baptised. What does it represent? It means when I go under, I die. The old Job dies. It's a symbol of the old Job dying on the cross. And, and when I come up out of the water, I'm resurrected into a, a new Joe. I'm a new Joe. Amen, in the name of, you don't wanna know the old Joe. Not a nice person, I can assure you. And I'm resurrected into a into new life and into, into that. Paul is saying that when we get baptised, our sin nature, our flesh, the part of us that has an inclination is in dies. And when we come up out of the water, we come up to new life. The NIV says, For we know that our old self was crucified with Him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. So that we should be no longer slaves to sin. To be dead to sin means to be freed from the ruling power of sin in your life. Dead to sin doesn't mean that you do not sin. Never sin again. Freed from the temptation of sin. What it does mean is, Although sin is a reality, it no longer has the power to dominate my life. The power of sin is broken. And that's what it means to be dead to sin. It's like watching a lion roar at the zoo. You may get a thrill from listening to the lion roar in the cage. But as long as the lion is behind bars, you're safe. It has no power over you. But if you crawl into the cage with the lion, then goodbye. <laughs> you got a little problem. And sin is like a roaring lion. Sin is like a roaring lion. It's roaring. It's telling us, this is what you need to do. This is what we need to do right now. And in the past, we've been a slave to that sin. When sin has said, this is what we do, that's what we do. But now sin has been broken. No, you don't have any power over me anymore. And it roars and I can walk away and do what I believe the Spirit wants me to do. But if we start to give, give in to the sin nature, if we crawl into the cage with the lion, goodbye. <laughs> we fall prey to it again. Two really important truths. If we're gonna experience freedom and I've gotta run, that Jesus promises. No, first, it's the blood of Jesus cleanses us from our sins. Know that our sins have been forgiven, that when we confess our sins to God, we are forgiven. We need to know that. Secondly, we need to know that the cross of Jesus delivers us from the power of sin nature. That when we are baptised, it's like the sin nature dies. It no longer has any power over us. When we are raised, we are raised to new life in Christ Jesus our Lord. True spirituality begins with a proper understanding of what God has done in our lives, of who Christ is in our lives. It's important. Everybody okay? I know, I know. I told you, I warned you, is the deep end of the pool. All right, I understand. I understand. And some of these concepts, I'm going to have to listen to this sermon another six times um, uh, to really get an understanding. But this is crucial. This is crucial. We keep going like this in life. 
We go round and round in circles. We keep going round and round in circles. We go round and 40 years, the people of Israel, round and round in circles. Why do we keep going around? Because we don't understand who we are in Christ. Pastor Joe, it's a little bit hard to understand. I get it. Let's do the work. Let's do the work. Sit with Book of Romans. You know, we don't like doctrine in this day and age. I get it. But we need doctrine. We need to understand truth. Because you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. Amen. True spirituality begins with a proper understanding of what God has done for us. It all begins with understanding what God did in our life the moment we trusted Christ. So how does all of this become a reality in our lives? See, Pastor John, I'm struggling with sin, struggling with anger and addiction. I don't want to go there, but I seem to go back there all the time. So how? How can I be delivered from this thing? We access the power of these doctrinal truths like we access the promises of Scripture. Number one, we need to know the truth. I know that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. I know that through Jesus, my sin nature no longer has power over me. I know. How do I know that to be true? I know because the Bible says so. Romans 6, 6. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by... I know it in my head. Number two, we believe the truth. Believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. I believe that through Jesus, my sin nature no longer has power over me. And if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. Romans 6, 8. See, we confess the truth. I confess that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. I confess that my sin nature was lost its power over my life. Likewise, you also, Romans 6, 11. I'm reading from the King James uh, Version, New King James. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves dead to be, in, to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. What does it mean to reckon? To reckon. Um, it's actually an accounting term in the Greek. Um, if I was to say to you, I'm going to put $10,000 in your account and you trusted me and believed me uh, that I would actually do that. Um, let's assume that you do, uh, even though you might not. Um, but because I've said it and, and I'm going to do it, then you I believe it's in my account. I believe. I reckon. Let me give you another way. Uh, we say in Australia, you reckon? <laughs> Bit of an Aussie slang there. You reckon? Yeah, I reckon it's true. That's basically it. Let's, let's just deal with it that way. I think it's easier to understand. You reckon? Yeah, I reckon it's true. <laughs> it means I know to believe and I confess it. My sin nature maybe has been, no. My sin nature has been crucified in the name of Jesus. Finally, we act on the truth. Paul says, then live a life that is consistent with that truth. We need to understand that the sin nature is always going to be there. Please understand this. It's a war. No shortcuts to the war. It's going to be a war. And the temptation to sin is always going to be there. We have a responsibility to live by the spirit instead of living by the flesh. Paul goes on. Romans chapter 6, verse 12. Sin is a dethroned monarch. So you must no longer give it an opportunity to rule over your life, controlling how you live and compelling you to obey its desires and cravings. So then refuse to answer its call to surrender your body as a tool. Refuse to answer its call to surrender your body as a tool for wickedness. I'm reading from the Passion Translation. It's going to call. The sin nature is going to say, come on, let's go. 
We've been going for the last five years. This is the way we do stuff around here. Come on, let's go. It's going to call. Refuse to answer its call to surrender your body as a tool for wickedness. Instead, passionately answer God's call to keep yielding your body to Him as one who has narrowed. Not only is the sin nature calling, so is the Spirit calling. The Spirit is saying to you and me, come with me. Who are we going to listen to? Keep yielding your body. God's call to keep yielding your body to Him as one who has experienced resurrection life. We live now for His pleasure, ready to be used for His noble purpose. We go to war with our sin nature, knowing that it is defeated. We work, we war from victory, not for victory. I don't have to win this battle. This battle's already won. I just have to, I have to appropriate that, that victory in my life. We do whatever we can. We stop going to the places we used to go, make new friends, get an accountability partner. We, we go to war with this. We allow that truth to outwork its, itself in our lives by the grace of God and for the glory of God. Now, danger with a message like this is we can say, Pastor Joe, great message, great preaching, great theory, great. But I live in the real world. That's great for Paul, great for you because you're a pastor, but I live in the real world. So here's what I want to do. I want you to hear the story of an ex-gag member called Johnny who came to Christ. And I want you to see how these, these, uh, these truths actually become a reality in someone's life. Watch the screen. Well, I would say my childhood was kind of like miserable, filled with distrust. My... my my father was a, a drunk, alcoholic. Um, my mom was Taoist Buddhist. So, you know, it was kind of ran like a dictatorship. And, uh, you know, we were really young and, and, and my dad would actually beat us, me and my brother and my mom. I sent my mom to the ICU a lot of times, bunch of times. Uh, so it was very, very chaotic as a kid. Um, and so at the age of 12 years old, I actually joined a gang. Um, I joined the, the watchings. Uh, I looked at the gang life and it, it started at the core of my heart. You know, I really wanted to be um, a gang member. I really wanted to, I looked up to those people. And so I joined that, that type of lifestyle. Uh, 12 months, I'm sorry, three months into it at the age of 12, I caught my first case. Um, and that was originally a kidnapping slash robbery, but they dropped the charges down. Uh, at 12 years old. At 12. Yeah, and ended up, um, it was with a group of people, of course, but ended up uh, catching the charge for dissuading a witness for the benefit of a gang. So uh, ended up going to YA, um, California Youth Authority. You know, I did four years there and it was really, really traumatic. And um, I get out, you know, 67 days, two months and a week. Uh, I catch my second case. This time I'm an adult, they try me as an adult. Uh, it's two counts of assault with deadly weapon. Um, again, it was it was supposed to be a robbery and attempted, but they dropped the charge down. I pled out. Um, they gave me 10 years, 85%, so eight and some change. Um, so um, I get out after doing my stretch. I parole out of CRC Norco, and um, I meet my mom, you know, and uh, she didn't really visit me much. She's an older lady. She didn't know how to navigate the correctional facilities and stuff like that, so she didn't really visit me. But I noticed a difference in my mom. You know, she had this, uh, this inner peace about her that I, I really didn't understand because 
mind you, she's she has not just me, but my brother, two kids in prison um, who are incarcerated. My did my brother did also twelve years, and um, she had she was still married to my father, her husband, who was still an abusive alcoholic person. She still lived in Section Eight. She still had you know all that trauma and and, and stuff like that, but. She had no circumstances to be happy, but I, I, I realized that she was happier than I was, you know? And so I asked my mom, mom, wh why are you so happy? You know, what, what changed? And then she mentioned church. And at that time, honestly, it's like I rolled up the car, the windows in the car, you know, I was like, I'm not trying to hear about that, mom. I'm, 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 a, I'm, a, I'm not, I don't believe in God. We were raised Buddhist, I'm good. So she said, fair enough. You know, she didn't push, she didn't say anything. She just let me be. Um, so. You know, miraculously, my mom actually, um, her car had broken down and she was like, hey, Johnny, like, um, I need you to take me to church. You know, she's a translator. She was very like involved at the time. And so I said, yeah, there's no harm in that. You know, I want to help mom out. You know, I, I didn't spend all my life, you know, being bad to her. So I wanted to treat her well. So I, I took her to the church. But I told her very specifically, I don't want to be evangelized. I don't want to I don't want to talk to the pastor. Um, and so. When I get there, I remember this pastor runs out and he's like, hey, Johnny, you know, good to see you. And, and why don't you come on in for some food, you know? And they had made like some some black bean noodles. And that's actually my favorite dish. You know, I love eating black bean noodles for those Asian Sundong people out there who know what I'm talking about. It's like a delicacy for us. You know, I grew up eating that stuff. So um, I was like, what's the harm in eating? You know, but I told the pastor, I don't want to hear about God. I don't believe in God and you know, I'm Buddhist, et cetera, et cetera. So we get there and um, I remember he sits down and after we finish eating, he, he asks me two questions that really kind of shocked me. You know, he said, are you a sinner? And do you know what sin is? And at that time I felt a little angry to be honest, because I felt like that was a loaded question. Like. <laughs> Who is, who's not a sinner? You know, we're all born imperfect. We're all flawed as human beings. We've all made, you know, bad decisions in our life and stuff like that. So I kind of got mad and I told him, yeah, of course. And, and he says, so what do you think about sin? You know, I said, well, sin is when you do something bad and then, you know, you go against God or you, you know, shoot people, stab people, you know, lie to people, that's a sin. And he said, not so. And that was the first time that it kind of like, he shook my world upside down. I was like, what do you mean? You know, this is kind of weird because that's what I always learned. Even though I wasn't Christian, uh, Catholic or anything like that, I knew that doing bad things is not, it's a no-no, you know, you don't do that. But he explained to me that sin was actually twofold. Uh, the first thing is it's trusting yourself above the word of God. So trusting yourself more than God, that's what sin is. And number two, it was inheritance. So he explained to me the analogy of you're Chinese. You didn't choose to be Chinese. You were born that way. Your father was Chinese, his father was Chinese, et cetera. It was passed down. Likewise with sin, it wasn't that you did anything wrong, but your father, you know, Adam was, uh, was evil. He was sinful and then it passed down to us. So we were born as sinners. And at that time it really made sense to me. And then he used the analogy of an apple tree, which really put it in perspective. He said, when you look at the seeds of an apple, where are the apples? But if you plant it as it grows, it'll only produce apples. No matter how hard it tries, it cannot produce oranges or mangoes. Likewise, when you look at a baby, where's the sin? It's very cute, it's loving, but as it grows, as it matures, 
all you see is sin. They start to, you know, um, lie. They start to cheat, steal. They can even murder, you know. And so when I saw that, it really made uh, a lot of sense to me as a person. And I was able to see that, oh, we're just being normal. It's not that I did bad things and then I became a sinner. No, I was born flawed. I was born imperfect. And he had mentioned, you're an imperfect person trying to produce perfect results. Of course, you're going to fall short. So that's why I had emptiness and, and depression and loneliness inside of my heart, because he was showing me that it wasn't the surface level things, but it was at the core of the heart because everything is rooted in the heart, right? Everything came from, from, from the, the center. So he talked, he talked about God, you know, he talked about Jesus and he said, why did, why do you think that Jesus had to die for you? Well, because you're a sinner, you're born into sin, you can't stop sinning. So you'll always be empty. You'll always be miserable. But when you think about God, he paid for all of your sins. He made you righteous. And I'm like, he made me righteous. Like I'm a sinner. I remember my sins. And he said, well, God doesn't remember them. Hebrews 10, 17, it says, and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. So he said, you have a choice to make, Johnny. Are you going to trust what you think and what you feel, which is constantly changing? It's like the ocean, high tide, low tide. One minute, I love this woman. Next minute, we argue and fight. I hate her. I'm telling her to get out of my house. Am I going to trust this heart that constantly changes? One minute, I'm, I make a determination. I throw all of my pipes away. I'm not going to do drugs. Next minute, I'm, I'm rummaging through the trash again, picking it all up. Am I going to trust something that constantly changes? And he told me, if something is constantly changing, if a person says one thing and does another, he's a liar. So would you trust his heart that lies to you? Or are you going to trust the word of God that never changes? No matter what, God died for you. He perfected you. He made you holy. Past, present, and future sins are gone. You know, and when I believed, I put, again, myself down and my thoughts down. And I trusted the word of God that power became mine. And he's so, you know, that's really what I've been doing nowadays, is going to prisons and talking to, to, you know, inmates and double lifers, people with LWAP, life without parole. And I don't tell them, hey, you need to change. Why did you murder people? You know, you need to make a decision. No, what I tell them is, do you know what God did for you? Do you know that sin is not, it was part of you. It's not that you wanted to do it, but it was something that was dragging you. And if you learn to distrust that voice, distrust that destructive voice, I call it, that evil thought, evil nature, then you're able to live well. And you're able to connect to the pastor. You know, you're able to connect to people who are better than you. And then their happiness, their hope will pour into your heart. And, and I'm a person that, I'm from the San Gabriel Valley. I'm from watching. How can I be talking about God? Well, I really feel like it wasn't me. You know, I feel like God had prepared this for me. And he had showed me something while going through the struggles, while feeling empty and overcoming that. And that's really what I want to kind of share with the people, because if that pastor never gave me a chance, if he never explained to me, you know, these things, I would probably be dead or in prison. How's your brother? Oh, he's, he's good. He's out of prison. Um, he got out about four years ago. He comes to church with me as well. And, and yeah, he's, he's happy. <laughs> he's really happy. It's great. It's a hell of a story of yeah. forgiveness and change of heart. Yeah. Amen. You can watch all of the whole, the whole uh, testimony is actually, it's about 30 minutes. There's one version, 30, one hour, one, one is about an hour, but just powerful, powerful.
So I wonder, there might be someone here today who's, who's never given their life to Jesus because that's where it all begins. Because what happened to Johnny can happen to you. You too can experience Christ's freedom. How? First step is you invite Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Saviour. Bible teaches us that all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And the good news is that Jesus came some 2,000 years ago and he paid the price. His blood was shed. He took the penalty for our sin. And if we know, believe, confess what Jesus did on the cross, we can be saved. For if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you can be saved. I know, I believe, and I confess, and we can be saved. And when we accept by faith what Jesus did on the cross for us, not only will we experience the forgiveness of sins, but we will also experience deliverance from the power of our sin nature that is warring inside of our hearts. And above all else, we will experience freedom to live the life that Jesus called us to live. Can I hear an amen? Would you stand with me? Come on, let's sing. Thanks, Chris. away my sin think about my own life there's a day when my parents heard a message not unlike this one and they heard they didn't know before they heard the message now they knew believed confessed their life was radically changed their life was not only was their life radically changed but generations generations of lives were changed what happens is the power of the blood of Jesus and the influence that can. I want every head bowed and um, maybe someone here this morning you've never ever given your life to Jesus Christ and you want to do that today you want to invite Jesus to be your Lord and Saviour it's where it begins I want Jesus to be my Lord and my Saviour it's not just my Saviour I want Him to save me from my sins I want Him to be my Lord I want Him to be the Lord of my life. Because maybe for some people, what's been the Lord of your life has been the propensity to sin, the sin nature. I don't want my sin nature to be my Lord anymore. I want the Spirit. I want the Holy Spirit. I want Christ to be the Lord of my life. And so I accept Jesus as my Lord and my Saviour. When you do that, you can experience the miracle of salvation. Unbelievable and powerful. So I want every eye closed, every head bowed. There might be someone here today, you've never given your life to Jesus, but you want to do it today. So I pray for grace. Father, we can't do this without strength. We can't win this war with our own strength. We can't win this battle in our own strength. There are things we need to do. Give us the grace to do those things, Lord God. But Lord, I just pray, give us the grace to make the right decisions, to do whatever needs to be done. And we thank you for the victory that we have in Jesus Christ, our Lord. So be glorified even as we move out of this place, Lord God, today. Let Johnny's story become our story. Let his testimony be our testimony of the saving grace of Jesus Christ. As we pray and ask in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen and Amen. God bless you. It's been so good to have you in church. Amen.